Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 13, and if I could give this one a title, Unchecked Sin Flows Downhill. Unchecked Sin Flows Downhill. Can I tell you, this part of 2 Samuel feels a little bit like halfway through the book of Numbers. If you've been with us on the podcast for a while, we went through this season where the nation of Israel did not want to obey the Lord. They turned away and things kept getting from bad to worse to worse. Well, that's kind of what's going on right now. Ever since David sinned with Bathsheba, there is a slow downward spiral that's going to happen. It's going to culminate a couple of chapters from now. But for now, we're going to slowly go downhill <laughs> with David. And that's what we're calling it. Unchecked sin flows downhill. And I want to give you an idea in a minute that maybe can help us all in the future. But for now, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It really does help us. We're on the road to 1,000 and we're getting there together. Also, on the podcast, make sure you're leaving us a five-star review. I see so many of you doing that and it means the world. Thank you so much. And then where we all gather together is at the Facebook group, Bible Breakdown Discussion. The more we dig, the more we find. And I want to say thank you to all those uh, people who post the different things. It really does help. We have just another way of looking at God's Word. And it's one of my favorite things. I love going every morning and reading what they have posted. And man, the more we dig, the more we find. And this is one of those chapters as well. So if you have your Bible, you want to open it up with me to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Let me catch you up for a minute while everybody's kind of getting ready. The Bible said that after David became king, there was this beautiful season where things are amazing. They're taking back territory. They're expanding their kingdom. Things are going great. Well, then one day, David was supposed to be with his army, but he stayed home. And he stayed home. He experienced temptation. He fell to the temptation. And the bottom line of it was he had an affair with another man's wife had that man killed, and then married her because she was pregnant with his child. <laughs> I mean, it's like Old Testament soap opera stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, like crazy. Well, that baby dies. They have another baby named that baby Solomon. Here's the problem. This would have been an opportunity for David because he, he, he later, like we found out yesterday, his sin is exposed by Nathan, the prophet. He says, hey, you've sinned. He repents before the Lord. And this could have then been an opportunity for David to have used that sin as an opportunity for a testimony. This is what I did wrong. God has forgiven me, and this is what I'm not going to do. However, there is no evidence that David told anybody what had happened. And because of that, there is a horrible precedent that has been set now with his family. We're going to see that because David, we don't know for sure, but if we were to guess, David didn't address this with everybody and make this right, now the precedent that I can have what I want, I can do what I want, and I don't care who it hurts in the process, which is kind of the message that was out there, it starts to have devastating effects on his family, which is, by the way, what God said. God said that because you've done this, your family is going to be in a mess. And we're going to see God's word is true. We're going to see something horrible today, and then maybe we can come up with something here that God's word can teach us so that we can move in the right direction and a principle through this pain. Let's read this together right now. Ooh, it's going to be it's going to be rough. Here we go. 2 Samuel 13 verse 1 says this. Now David's son Absalom 
had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. That's disgusting. Verse 2, Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought that he could never have her. You know why he thought he could never have her? Because he couldn't. (laughs) They were brother and sister, okay? But verse 3, but Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin, Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shemaiah. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, What is the trouble? Why should the son of a king look to be dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what you do. Go back to your bed and pretend that you are very ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it and you watch, as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, he went to the place or she went to the place where he was lying down so that he could watch her mix some of the dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she was set, but when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat it. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants. So they all left. Then she, he said to Tamar, Now, bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me there. Pause. That's the moment where Tamar should have said, Stranger danger, and got out of there. But this is her technical half-brother. Same father, different mother. So she undoubtedly trusted him, and watch what happens. Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, Come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called the one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it, and he will let you marry me. But Amnon would not listen to her. And since he was stronger than her, he raped her. Then suddenly, Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon would not listen to her. He shouted for his servants and demanded, Throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servants put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now... Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then, with her face in her hands, she went away, crying. When her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. But don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Listen to this right here. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Now pause. So what happened? Tamar was being loved by Amnon. Amnon and Tamar were half brother and sister. But here's the problem. He goes and he rapes Tamar, but the king does nothing. (laughs) 
He's angry, but he doesn't do anything. Here's the reason why. And we don't know exactly. I'm going to take a guess. It's really hard to correct your son when you have been in sin yourself. But here's the thing. What David could have done is he could have turned his greatest sin, his greatest disaster, into an amazing life lesson to have taught his sons. Women are not objects. Love is not something that you just throw around. You honor the women in your life. You honor the commitments that you have made. I mean, he could have, he could have done so many things to have taught this lesson of virtue to his sons. Sons, don't be like me. Instead, do this. But instead, he didn't do that. And now it's really hard to correct your son when he ends up doing something not that far off from what you did yourself. And so I think there was a missed opportunity here. But since he did that, Absalom takes measures into his own hands and watch what happens next. Verse 23, two years later, that's called a long-term plan, okay? Two years later, when Absalom's sheep was being sheared at Beth Hazor near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, my sheep shearing is now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate with me on this occasion? The king replied, No, my son, if we all came, we would be too much of a burden for you. But Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well, then, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon? the king asked. But Absalom uh, Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all of his sons attend, including Amnon. And so Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, Wait till Amnon gets drunk, and then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I am the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So, at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped up on their mules and fled. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shemaiah, arrived and said, No, no, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons aren't all dead, only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. When the watchmen on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill, they saw them coming from the west. And so he ran down to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from Horon, uh, the Horon road along the side of the hill. Look, Jonadad told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all the servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned for many days for his son, Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talami, the son of Amahud, the king of Jeshur. They stayed there in Jeshur for three years, or he stayed there for three years. And King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son, Absalom. Now truly, two wrongs don't make a right. Absalom should not have killed Amnon. And the reason why is because he shouldn't have been the one to do the discipline. Now, I don't know exactly what should have happened in this situation. I can say that it is absolutely unconscionable 
that Amnon raped Tamar. Now, from personal, uh, my personal opinion is, I, th- <laughs> I just be honest with you, I think that anybody who rapes a woman, they should be castrated, burned, and then buried under the jail. That's just my personal, very peaceful opinion, okay? But in this situation, I'm not entirely sure what should have been done. However, I do know it shouldn't have been Absalom. It should have been King David. However, it's really hard to discipline somebody who's doing kind of the same thing that you just got through doing. And therein is the problem. Unconfessed or unchecked sin flows downhill. David was already confronted by Nathan. And what could have happened, what should have happened, is David should have used this horrible thing as a story to help the next generation. And if he had of, who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have changed anything, but maybe it could have. And that's what I want to leave us with today of this horrible story of what happened. Can I tell you, once you've committed that sin in your life, you can't change it. Don't you wish we could? Don't you wish we could go back in time and make better decisions and not do those things that still haunt us sometimes in the night? The thing that we're supposed to do is supposed to bring it to the Lord, confess that sin, and allow the Lord to heal us. But then what I would encourage you to do is to take the next step. And the next step is to then use that horrible thing as a testimony, as an example to the next generation. Tell somebody else what happened. Not as a sense of shame, but say, first of all, look at what the Lord can do. If the Lord can forgive me, the Lord can forgive you. And I want to teach you the lessons of my story so that you don't have to walk through the same issue I walked through. Turn your worst day into your greatest testimony of God's faithfulness and watch what it will do. I'm convinced that nobody is without a testimony. You just have to see it for what it is. Stop looking at that worst day as only a worst day. God doesn't waste anything. I talked to a guy one time who, when he was younger in life, he murdered someone. And I was talking to him one day, and it was self-defense, but he still did. And he had to go to jail for a little while. And after he got out of jail, what he did with his life was he started a jail ministry. And he started that jail ministry, and he started to talk to every single person person he could who would listen to him and he would teach them about the worst day of his life and that God used it to put him in jail because it was in jail that he found Jesus and now he goes back and he uses what he says was the most embarrassing moments of my life of losing everything I had and and I can't believe I've got here and I use it now as the greatest testimony that if God did this for me look at what he can do for you I'm not saying you should tell everybody What I am saying is, is in the trusted moment that you can, you should tell somebody what God has done in your life, and maybe it will keep them from going in the same way. Use that moment as a great victory for what God can do. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you have the ability to turn ashes into beauty, that you can turn horrible moments into teachable moments, so that maybe things like what happened in today's chapter don't have to happen. Because God, when David didn't teach the next generation, so many people were hurt. Tamar was hurt. Amnon did something horrible, and he had to pay the price for it. Absalom was put in an impossible situation. And though we don't know, but what if? What if David had of? I pray, God, that we will feel that sense of burden upon us 
that we will take our worst moments and turn them into celebrations of what you can do and lessons for the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, God's word says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. That's what God wants. He wants to qualify the called and he wants to give you an everlasting relationship with him. I love you. And I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Samuel chapter 14.